Hi, David. Joe Biden was inaugurated this week as the 46th president of the United States. What's your take on his first actions in office and the market implications? Hi, Alex. Um, Well, the immediate focus of the market has been on President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan um, includes um, additional payment of $1,400 to every person. It's an extension and top up of unemployment benefits, um, some transfers to state and local governments. Um, I think it's unlikely that the Senate's going to sign off on the uh, full package, but you know, another trillion dollars of fiscal stimulus sometime in the first quarter um, is now looking likely. This would come on top of the $900 billion that was approved at the end of last year. Um, there's also likely actually to be a second fiscal package from the Biden administration. It's going to be focused on infrastructure, uh, clean energy, um, you know, and potentially partly financed by higher taxes. But I think that's basically going to become the uh, White House uh, sort of budget proposal. So that's going to be much later in the year. Um, there's a lot of politics to be navigated before we see what is eventually agreed. Um, you know, as we discussed a few weeks ago, uh, the Democrats have a wafer-thin majority in the Senate that comes from the casting vote of Vice President Harris. But, you know, incoming Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said in her confirmation hearing, as far as the Biden administration is concerned, they need to act big with uh, interest rates at uh, historic lows and, and that debt is a concern for another day. Um, interestingly, Treasury yields didn't really react that much to the likelihood of even more fiscal uh, stimulus, although uh, US equities found another excuse to uh, post new highs. Um, economists are also revising up their growth forecasts for the US. And I think you know one of the issues we've been uh, thinking about is you know, if the Biden administration is you know, going to be throwing the uh, proverbial kitchen sink at the economy in terms of uh, fiscal stimulus, you know, will we see a return of sort of US growth exceptionalism and sort of relative US asset outperformance? Um, we remain pretty confident that, you know, there's going to be a broad based global recovery as vaccines are rolled out and restrictions eased and that this will support the performance of uh, non-US assets. Uh, particularly, you know, across emerging markets that have relatively more attractive uh, valuations, and, and and while the prospect of more fiscal stimulus may provide some near-term support for the US dollar, um, yeah, I, I think the Fed is arguably the most dovish of the world's major central banks right now, and I think that will put a sort of cap on where the dollar can can go. And and over the medium term, rising US twin fiscal and trade deficits will be a a fundamental headwind for the dollar. Uh, maybe just you know another point to make that got you know less attention from investors, but I think it's noticeable is that one of the first executive acts of President Biden was for the US to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. You know there is going to be a 180 degree you know turnaround in the stance of the US administration on the environment and tackling climate change. Um, it is a key priority for the Biden administration, and I think we'll have, you know, meaningful sector implications um, and, and some, you know, spillover for sectors and companies in the rest of the world, including European companies um, that are global leaders in energy efficiency, you know, clean transport, renewables. And, and I think it's also going to encourage U.S. investors to engage even more in sustainable investment in the adoption of ESG 
principles. Uh, you know, where currently they've been sort of lagging their counterparts in, in, in the rest of the world, especially compared to uh, European investors. And talking of politics, there's been a lot going on in Europe over the last couple of weeks. Can you give a brief update? Yes. So in Italy, Prime Minister Conte won uh, crucial parliamentary confidence votes that were triggered after the uh, junior coalition partner, Italia Viva, uh, quit the centre-left coalition. Uh, But Conte fell short of an absolute majority and so is now leading a minority um, coalition. Um, a snap election has been averted, uh, as, as we expected, and it's certainly something that would have been, I think, punished by voters to have a snap election during uh, the height of a pandemic, uh, as, as, as well as being, uh, you know, reflected in, in, in market volatility. Um, and we've seen Italian sovereign credit spreads rally a bit on the, um, you know, uh, positive uh, confidence uh, votes but you know to, to, to be frank um, you know there wasn't a lot of sort of movement in Italian sort of uh, credit spreads you know during this particular sort of um, episode I think you know it's seen really as a sort of internal power play in Rome rather than you know a meaningful sort of systemic um, political risk um, the other big political development was the election of Armin Laschet as successor to Angela Merkel as leader of Germany's Christian Democrats. Uh, Laschet is very much the Merkel continuity choice. Uh, he's centrist, he's pro-European. Um, as, as, as I'm sure you're aware, Angela Merkel will, will stand, stand down after federal elections scheduled for sometime in September uh, or, or October. And, you know, the, the you know, we're getting close to the end of the sort of Merkel era. And I think I'm sure it's something that we'll kind of return to um, as to what the implications of that are. But but certainly Lachette, you know, suggests no break with, you know, the, the, the sort of policy direction that she has provided, not only for Germany, but for Europe as a, as a whole. I think more generally, you know, I mean, for, for investors, for markets, you know, politics in Europe is is fairly low on the on the sort of list of things uh, that, that investors are focused on. Um, I still think the focus is on concerns around the economic impact of the latest virus wave and lockdowns balanced against the, you know, hope from the vaccine rollout and, of course, ongoing uh, fiscal and particularly uh, monetary support from the ECB. What were the key takeaways from the latest ECB meeting? I mean, it was a bit dull, to be frank, um, Alex. Uh you know, as expected, no policy changes from the ECB. Um, yeah, it remains firmly committed to maintaining what they describe as favourable financial uh, conditions, including through its bond buying programmes. Um, there was a sort of mildly hawkish surprise in the policy statement from the ECB. Um, it said their financial conditions remained favourable. It would not necessarily use in full the 1,850 billion euro envelope of the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, or, or PET. Uh, but it's, that, that really isn't news. Um, it's actually been, that's previously been stated by President Lagarde. Um, but given, I think, you know, downside risks to the near-term outlook, I mean, you know, the Eurozone economy was certainly contracted in the final quarter of last year. Um, growth is going to be pretty anemic, if any, um, in, in the first quarter, depending on how long lockdowns remain in place. You know, we could see a bit of a, you know, tick higher in bond yields and the euro, slightly wider spreads on peripheral sovereign bonds, but it was it was, it was, it was pretty marginal. Um, 
I think more interesting is that, you know, Lagarde reiterated that the ECB is, you know, effectively targeting, uh, you know, favourable uh, financing conditions, not only for corporates and households, but also for sovereigns, that they continue to monitor the euro exchange rate and its implications for financial conditions and, and the inflation outlook. Um, and you know, this is probably true of all the major central banks in terms of the importance of uh, financing conditions, but it's clear that the ECB will not allow borrowing costs to meaningfully rise, whether that be for companies or for governments. And it's often been said you know, that there's a Fed put on the S&P 500, um, I think in, in, in the euro area, there's effectively an ECB put on uh, credit spreads. And what else are you watching right now, David? Well, very much tracking the rollout of uh, vaccines and the associated news around, you know, the efficacy of, of, of vaccines as they're rolled out. It's a sort of regular feature of our internal discussions at Blue Bay. Um, the US is approaching a daily rate of 1 million um, vaccine doses. Uh, the Biden administration is certainly much more focused on tackling um, the pandemic than the outgoing uh, Trump administration. Uh, the UK is running at uh, more than 300,000 uh, doses uh, per day. It's actually on track to meet its target of uh, 15 million uh, inoculations by the middle of February, which uh, many people were sceptical they would be able to reach, but they, they, they're kind of leading away a little bit internationally in terms of vaccine uh, rollout. Um, the EU continues to lag, um, though it is starting to uh, pick up. It's running, roughly speaking, at about 400,000 um, a day. Um, interestingly, the European Commission uh, this week set an ambitious target for inoculating 70% of the EU population by the um, summer. And then when we look at, you know, poorer developing countries, um, you know, they are sort of last in the queue for vaccines. I mean, you know, we do see some vaccine nationalism um, taking uh, place but you know they should be getting you know sufficient volume of vaccines to immunize the most risk groups which will ease pressure on their um, health services they you know have much better demographics and basically younger um, uh, populations so um, in, in, in that sense, I still think, you know, the vaccine rollout is, 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 is going to be you know, positive, obviously, for, for, for those countries. Um, I mean, in as much as we do get some differentiation in the pace of vaccination and, and, and reopening, I think it's something that could, you know, from a tactical perspective, have, a, have an impact on relative um, currency performance. It's, it's something that, you know, we're thinking about in, as, as, as a potential opportunity in uh, sort of FX space. Um, and then the other thing which obviously getting a focus at the moment and which is important is that we're entering, um, you know, reporting season for corporate earnings. Um, so far, so good. I mean, you know, a key feature of our overarching recovery and rotation theme for this year is that corporate earnings rebound strongly. So tracking you know, corporate earnings and the guidance that companies give in terms of their expectations for the future is, is, is certainly something that we're watching right now. Thanks, David, and look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, Alex. This podcast may be issued by the following entities. 
in the European Economic Area by Blue Bay Funds Management Company SA, the Manco, which is regulated by the Commission de Surveillance du Secteur Financier. In Germany and Italy, the Manco is operating under a branch passport pursuant to the Undertakings for Collective Investment in Transferable Securities Directive and the Alternative Investment Fund Managers Directive. In the United Kingdom, by Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, which is authorised and regulated by the UK Financial Conduct Authority, registered with the US Securities and Exchange Commission, and is a member of the National Futures Association as authorised by the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission. In the United States, by Blue Bay Asset Management USA LLC, which is registered with the SEC and the NFA. In Switzerland, by Blue Bay Asset Management AG, where the representative and paying agent is BNP Paribas Security Services, Paris, Succursal de Zurich, Sonnerstrauss, 16-8002, Zurich, Switzerland. The place of performance is at the registered office of the representative. The courts of the registered office of the Swiss representative shall have jurisdiction pertaining to claims in connection with the distribution of shares in Switzerland. The prospectus, the key investor information documents, where applicable, the articles of incorporation and any other applicable documents required, such as the annual or semi-annual reports, may be obtained free of charge from the representative in Switzerland. In Japan, by Blue Bay Asset Management International Limited, which is registered with the Kanto Local Finance Bureau of Ministry of Finance Japan. In Australia, Blue Bay is exempt from the requirement to hold an Australian finance Financial Services Licence under the Corporations Act in respect of financial services as it is regulated by the FCA under the laws of the UK which differ from Australian laws. In Canada, BBAM LLP is not registered under securities laws and is relying on the international dealer exemption under applicable provincial securities legislation which permits BBAM LLP to carry out certain specified dealer activities for those Canadian residents that qualify as a Canadian permitted client as such term is defined under applicable securities legislation. The Blue Bay Group entities noted above are collectively referred to as Blue Bay within this document. The registrations and memberships noted should not be interpreted as an endorsement or approval of Blue Bay by the prospective licensing or registering authorities. The podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not intended nor should be interpreted as investment tax or legal advice. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell, nor is it a solicitation of an offer to purchase any security or investment product in any jurisdiction. This product is not available for distribution in any jurisdiction where such distribution would be prohibited and is not aimed at such persons in those jurisdictions. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Blue Bay makes no express or implied warranties or representations with respect to the information contained in this podcast and hereby expressly disclaim all warranties of accuracy, completeness or fitness for a particular purpose. Blue Bay is under no obligation to update the information in the podcast to reflect changes after the publication date. The information contained in this podcast is believed to be reliable, but Blue Bay cannot and does not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness or completeness. No part of this document may be reproduced, redistributed or passed on directly or indirectly to any other person or published in whole or in part for any purpose in any manner without the prior written permission of Blue Bay. Copyright 2061 Blue Bay is a wholly owned subsidiary of RBC and BBAM LLP may be considered to be related and or connected to RBC and its other affiliates. Registered trademark of RBC, RBC GAM is a trademark of RBC. Blue Bay Funds Management Company SA Registered Office 4 Boulevard Royal L2449 Luxembourg. Company registered in Luxembourg number B88445. Blue Bay Asset Management LLP, Registered Office 77 Groveton Street, London, W1K3JR, Partnership Registered in England and Wales, number OC370085. The term partner refers to a member of the LLP or a Blue Bay employee with equivalent standing. Details of members of the Blue Bay Group and other important terms which this message is subject to can be obtained at www.bluebay.com. All rights reserved.